Oh, well, happy Mother's Day to you from me as well. And I am so thankful to have my mother-in-law here, who is an amazing mom and raised five amazing people, one of whom I'm lucky enough to be married to. Um, and to my own mom, who's not here, but I'm sure she's going to listen to this. So I wish you a happy Mother's Day too, Mom. Um, missing you. So I just wanted to share today, um, you know, the gospel is so awesome because it is for everyone. Um, but as a mother, like being in that season of being a mother, the gospel is incredibly applicable. So hopefully what I share today is for everyone and we can all walk away feeling encouraged by the word because the word is for everyone. <clears throat> but I know specifically in my season of motherhood, the gospel is incredibly encouraging to me. So I'm really gonna, I know I said this last time, but I'm hopefully really gonna let the word do the heavy lifting because there's a lot of really experienced moms here who could definitely, who do give me tips and encourage me and who could probably teach us all a lot. Um, so I'm really just gonna go to the word and see what the Lord has to say to us today. But um, I, I wanted to just start by saying, <coughs> by sharing a little story. Um, most of you know that I'm pregnant, which is why I'm incredibly breathless. Like I just ran a marathon, but I didn't. I'm just talking. Um, <laughs> but we found out a few, like a few, a couple months ago or something that we were pregnant. And um, it was totally a surprise. And I'm usually, I, I think, or I try to be a flexible person in general, but I had kind of, you know, had a plan and an agenda and this was not part of it. And I had kind of put my foot down on this one. I thought a little bit, <clears throat> so I was, a little taken back, right? And uh, I was kind of complaining to the Lord a little, not about, you know, giving me a life, but because that's a total blessing, but just about not feeling great. And this wasn't part of kind of my agenda for this season. And um, things weren't, there's this twist that I wasn't prepped for. And I was feeling a little bit like useless because I was, I've just felt so sick. And um, most of you have not had the privilege of seeing me this week, but my eye was like, for the past two weeks, my eye has been like this big, like huge swollen eye because I had some weird pregnancy rash. <laughs> so anyway, there's just these little mountains, right? These little tiny things, but they're little twists in our walk with God that we, I wasn't expecting. So I was complaining to the Lord a little bit and saying, oh, I'm just not very useful right now. I'm not being a great mom. I'm just laying around, blah, blah, blah. And um, I felt like the Lord said to me, Becca, it's about the end game. And I was like, hey, do you know that's a movie coming out, God? <laughs> um, but I think what God was really, what God continued to kind of start showing me and encouraging me and exhorting me, right? Because complaining is really telling God that we think our plan is probably better than his, which is pretty foolish. <coughs> so he really was exhorting me in a loving way. Um, that be, this season of being a mother and whatever season you are in of being a father, of um, you know, being a son, being a daughter, an employee, an employer, um, whatever phase or season or context of your life, it is a season and it is about the end game. It is about the marathon. It is about the long term. Um, God has called us to leave a legacy for the next generation, whether we're a parent or not at this point or in the future or in the past, <clears throat> we are called as believers to leave a legacy for the next generation. Um, you know, Joel talks about how 
<laughs> in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh, and our sons and daughters will prophesy. Our old men and our older, all the older generations will have dreams and will have visions. And this is a picture of what the presence and spirit of God is, what the kingdom is. It's all the generations together. It's not just the young generation that revival is going to come or where great epic things are going to happen. It's all of us together. It's the older generation, my generation, the younger generation, the youngest generation. (coughs) And so our role to play in that as mothers and just whoever we are as believers is to think long term about what legacy we're leaving for the next generation, for the people coming after us and and as an example to our whole community, our neighborhood, our kids, our families, all the people who are watching us in our sphere. Um, My dad says this all the time and I love it. And he obviously got it from the Bible, but it's not an exact verse. But he says, our purpose in this life, if we're followers of Christ, is to know God, is to be known by God, and is to make God known. And this, to me, is part, it it wraps up so well what kind of legacy we're leaving. Okay, so I want to share about um, a woman named Susanna Wesley, who's such a great historic figure. Um, She has, she didn't write a couple books, but there are books about her. If you guys are readers, they're really great reads, very inspiring and encouraging. But she was in England in the late 1600s, early 1700s. Um, She, to me, is an epic mother, but not the kind of mother that has a Magnolia Holmes home and is a perfect body and has all the stylish clothes and gets to go to the gym all the time and makes like paleo hunt and kill meals or gluten-free desserts or anything like that. She was um, a mother to 19 children. She got married when she was 19 and had 19 children, nine of whom died. Um, She was married to a minister who was gone a lot for ministry and preaching. She educated all of her children, even the girls, which at that time wasn't a given. Um, She herself was the youngest of 25 kids, and she grew up in a very poor family. Um, Her father was a minister, and he had dissented from the Church of England, so they didn't have, like, funding. Um, People really, in that season, from what history tells us, the people of England were relatively... Um, what is the word when they think God is very far off and not involved? Agnostic? (coughs) So this was kind of the spiritual climate of England at the time. And her husband really preached a very radical message. And so people really didn't like it. Twice her house was burnt by people. Like they burnt her house down with her and her children in it. She almost lost her son John, um, John Wesley in one of the fires. Uh, There was one time where people were surrounding her house all night and throwing things at it and yelling. It was the night she had one of her children and they were up all night trying to protect the other kids and and the nurse that helped her deliver fell into such an exhausted sleep that she rolled over on her baby and the baby died. So she went through a lot of tragedy in her life. 
this woman, as she was raising all these kids, often by herself, um, also trying to make an income, she hosted church in her home when she felt like, if her husband was traveling and she felt like the message of the gospel wasn't being preached, she actually started a church in her home and got a lot of persecution for it because people in those days didn't do, or women did not do that. Um, <clears throat> she, um, she would, when her kids were, when she was overwhelmed, she would sit down in the middle of her kitchen and they wore aprons in those days and she would throw her apron over her head and she would sit there and she would pray until she said she felt the peace of God come over her life or break through in whatever situation she was dealing with. So this woman, she has so many amazing quotes, one of which she says, I am content to fill a little space if God be glorified. This is Su Susanna Wesley. So this is just a mom doing her day-to-day. -day. This was not, she did not have any epic stories to tell. She didn't run a crusade. She didn't, um, history really wouldn't even acknowledge her except for her two sons, Charles and John Wesley, who she raised and who encountered God as teenagers and became two of the greatest known ministers and revivalists to this day. History writes about them. John Wesley was... <clears throat> In England, he is credited by a lot of historians as um, setting the stage for the abolition of slavery um, because he ignited a conscience in the hearts of the people and was very um, part of the abolitionist party. Um, he led tens of thousands of people to the Lord. He started the Methodist church movement. Um, him and when his father died, he had his mother come. They bought huge warehouses down in downtown England, whatever that is, <laughs> the inner city of England, um, and they converted them into housing and um, housing complexes for poor people. Dave knows this better. I guess I missed this detail in history. Um, and they hosted church there and Bible studies, and they did ministry to poor and homeless and children. Um, anyway, this man is a her is Susanna's legacy okay and our hope is not wrapped up in our children okay because the Lord holds their souls that is not we cannot control that God does but I want to talk about the legacy she left by pouring herself out into the next generation and for her that was all her children that was the children that that she had and I want to focus on the fact that we ordinary people I mean and some of us are extraordinary okay I was thinking through this I'm like well most of us are ordinary but I guess there are people who are just extraordinary who are ruling nations who are called to be you know presidents or in government or um, Billy Graham's like so there are all of us though are called and in one way or another we're all doing something ordinary Billy Graham to us is famous um, but he had a lot of ordinary days to him getting up and preaching was something that he had to be disciplined to do, right? So all of us have ordinary days. All of us in many ways are ordinary people. And I just wanna go through, I use Susanna as an example, but my gosh, the Bible is full of ordinary people who left a legacy for the next generation and actually propelled the story and coming of Christ and are the reason why we are part of this family today. So we participate in the legacy that ordinary people left to us in the Bible and in history by doing ordinary things on ordinary days um, and making ordinary right choices. So I'm gonna just go through this list. Um, Hannah, this isn't chronological, by the way. Just 
But Hannah, um, in the book of 1 Samuel, you know, she didn't, she couldn't, she couldn't have a baby. She didn't become bitter, but she got on her knees and she cried out to God on the regular for him to answer her prayer. She likely had hopes at that time. Israel was looking for a deliverer. She likely had hopes, like maybe my child will be, but she, instead she gave her child on the altar to the Lord. She said, Lord, if you answer my prayer, I'm giving my child to you. And God answered her prayer. Samuel was a judge. He was a deliverer in Israel. <clears throat> None of his words fell to the ground. That legacy came from an ordinary woman not becoming bitter, making right choices, and bringing her request before God, who breaks through in history. Um, Mary, the mother of Christ, an ordinary person pursuing God, who said yes to becoming pregnant out of wedlock in a society where she probably would have been rejected, ostracized, and unless an angel of the Lord had come, would have lost her husband and her protection, her covering, her provision. She just said yes to getting pregnant, right? And said yes to the Lord. Ordinary thing, mother of the Messiah, the savior of the world. Um, Jochebed, the mother of Moses, um, she gave him up to save his life. Um, Hebrews 11 says, by faith she did this because she saw the call of God on his life but she knew she couldn't keep him. She gave him up basically for adoption because she believed God, right? And she chose the right thing. An ordinary, a hard thing, but something ordinary, one choice. Um, and God obviously used Moses to free his people um, as a sign of the salvation of Christ. Rahab uh, left her own people, her own culture, everything she had known, um, and chose to join another people group. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, um, her children were drafted into the family of God, and David and Christ came from her children because she made that choice um, to honor God. She did the hard thing of leaving her people, but it was just a day-to-day, -day, guys. She woke up every day going, okay, this is a new culture. This is hard. I need to... She did it. Sarah, by faith, Hebrews 11 says she was able to conceive even though it was medically impossible. She trusted in the Lord. She did the day-to-day. -day. She waited very patiently. I mean, sometimes not so patient, but that's still a long time to wait. Most of us would still feel like we were pretty patient, right? She waited a long time, and she is the mother of Christianity, the Bible says, basically. She is the mother of, um, not the church, but the mother of all of us who are in Christ. <coughs> her seed is Jesus, who fulfilled every promise ever given to her or to her husband, um, Jehoshaphat took care of her nephew for six years in hiddenness. This is in 2 Kings 11 and um, 2 Chronicles 22, when the queen, I think it's Athalia or something, wicked queen was taking, killing all the line of Judah because she wanted to be queen. She didn't want any of them to rise up and take over the kingship. Jehoshaphat took this boy and just hid him, and she preserved the line of Judah from which Christ came. Okay, this is ordinary. Six years, hidden, taking care of a child. Nothing spectacular. Um, Esther, she just said yes to getting married. Her life changed. She said yes to getting married. She had a very difficult conversation where she thought, I could die, but this is worth it. And then she hosted an incredible dinner, saved the entire race from genocide of the Jews. Okay, ordinary things, ordinary skills, right? <coughs> Anastasia has been sharing so amazingly about Joseph, who suffer suffered for a couple decades but served faithfully stayed loyal to God in a hostile environment, still did the right thing even when temptation was everywhere around him and no one, you know, there weren't believers there to judge him. <coughs> and he's part of the 
heritage of Christ and his sons took part in the inheritance in Israel because of his choices to do that. Um, Anna, she was a widow for her whole life, but she used those years of singleness to seek God consistently in prayer and fasting at the temple. And she was able to see Christ before she died, the actual Messiah, the one she had been praying for. She saw the fulfillment of her prayers after so many years as an old woman. Um, the Israelite midwives, they just kept doing their jobs, right? They just did their jobs, even though a governmental edict came down where they knew they could lose their jobs, but more importantly, their lives, because um, it was, it, it, the, the Pharaoh could have killed them, but they just obeyed God, right? They didn't let government or fear of loss make the choices for them. They just chose to keep doing what they were doing in honoring God. They left a legacy of obedience to God over any system or threat of death or loss. Um, Abraham obeyed. He left his home. He believed God when God told him something, even though it seemed impossible. He is the father of Christianity. His seed is Jesus Christ. You and I are part of his legacy. David, the runt in the family business, the doing the job that no one wanted to do, um, until God called him out and made him a ruler. Ordinary things, daily things. Daniel, he was hu a humiliated captive. He was a prisoner of war, um, but he, was, he had a gift. God gave him a gift. He was incredibly intellectual, and he honored God, and God brought him to a high place, right? Um, Kelly Needham says it really well. She just says, don't believe the hype. Uh, oh, I lost my line. It's a really good line, though. <laughs> Don't believe the hype. God is glorified in ordinary people. And I just love this. I love this. And to me, this just really um, encourages me as a mother because so much of motherhood, it is powerful. And probably so many moms on the other side have told me at least, like, it goes by so quick. It's so much quicker than you think. Um, but it doesn't always feel that way. Sometimes it just feels like the grind. It just feels like every day we get up, we go to work, we do our job, right? We come home, we take out the trash, whatever it may be. Or you get up with kids, you're tired all the time. But it's you do the same thing over and over again. Tell the same stories. You know, whatever it may be we're doing ordinary things but as the bible says everything that we do we do unto the lord and then the fruit of our labors is resting on him it's not on us okay so i kind of my second point i want to bring it to how can us ordinary people have fruit um and i want to bring it back to prayer because um this is what the lord said to me specifically when i was complaining to him about how I was feeling in the moment. Um, he was saying, Becca, he always brings it to extremes because he knows that's how my mind works. But he's like, what if you were a, a paralytic? What if you were deaf or blind or mute like Helen Keller? What if you couldn't do all the things that make you feel like you're useful or like you're accomplishing something? Would you still be a valuable human being? And how could you accomplish my plan for you on the earth and leave a legacy for the next generation? Um, and through kind of this conversation, that he was bringing me through, he reminded me, and he used a really good friend of mine to remind me, and I'm going to read a text that she sent to me, that it really comes back to dependence on God, because God is the one who breaks through in our lives and in our legacy. Our pursuit of him is what defines our legacy um, in, a, in, in the kingdom of God. So I have a friend, I babysat when I was like, when I was a kid, you got to babysit when you were like 10 years old. I would never let a 10 year old babysit my kids. I don't know what was going on back then, but I babysat for a couple boys, 
right? <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> I babysat for a couple boys um, way back then, and I'm still friends with their mom. And the two boys have grown up, and I've gone to visit them a couple times in Texas. They moved to Texas. Um, and, and the mom, when I went last time, I went with Dave there on a business trip, which was really cool. She was talking to me because one of her sons is really serving the Lord, and one of her sons is not at all. He's rejected Christianity completely and God. And so she was talking to me about this, and I was kind of asking her, like, wow, so her sons are in their 20s now. Um, I was saying, so what, how do you feel? Like, what, do you, do you feel like, oh, I, I should have done something different? Or is it just, you know, his own choices? Or how, tell me, tell me where you're at right now with this. And she said, you know, Becca, I did all the right things. I sent my kids to Christian school, and we brought them to church every week, and we did all the right things. And I prayed for them, and, you know, me and their dad stayed married, and, and like, just so many things that you're like, check, 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 awesome. Um, and she said, the thing that I would do different is I would spend so much more time on my knees crying out to God for my kids. Because we, as moms and just as humans, right, we can do what we believe is all the right things. We can lead very moral lives. We, we can make very good choices, and that is important to our legacy. Listen, it's not for naught that we make the good choices and we do the right thing, right? But in the end, the key to every human's heart lays in the hands of the Lord, not in our efforts and in our work. Um, and she said, you know, the Spirit of God is the only thing that can encounter my son. I can do nothing really about it except pray because the word is clear that if we pray in accordance with his will, and the Bible is also clear that he desires that every man should be saved, God will answer. And Hebrews 11, I read it, and I was getting like hyped when I was reading it this week. So you should go home and read it because it's super encouraging. Read it out loud. Read it with like music in the back. Do, just read it over and over again. It's really awesome, right? But, <laughs> or David Schmidt's worship music. That would be even better. But, <laughs> but um, Hebrews 11 is just listing so many ordinary people, right, who by faith, by faith, it says women saw their dead raised. By faith, ordinary woman in Hebrews 11, not even listed, okay? They didn't say their names, but their names are known in heaven. It was by faith in the hand and the son and the promises of God that things happened for them. They, it says that they shut the mouths of lions. They, um, <coughs> they conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong in weakness, mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead to resurrection. At the end of Hebrews 11, it says that most of these people didn't see the promise fulfilled while they were still alive. And why? It was for our sake. All the Hebrews 11 faith people, they left us a legacy. That's what the end of Hebrews says. It says it's for us so we could be in this together. That's where the promise is revealed with Christ, okay? So for us, it's not, it's, it's the long game. It's the end game. We're living for a long marathon purpose. And the power to sustain is coming through our pursuit of God. You can say prayer. You can see pursuit of God, the presence of God, time with him, worshiping him, reading his word. It's all encompassed in our pursuit. Anyway, let me read this. So I, <coughs> I texted Dawn, and I was just telling her, oh, I, you know, I'm praying for CJ. I'm praying for him right now. And i just thinking about you. Happy Mother's Day. And she said, thank you so much. She said, listen, 
she reiterated, she said, I believe prayer is of most importance in parenting. The Lord is the one who opens eyes and ears and moves hearts like water. The current cultural formulas are not trustworthy, but he is. Pour out your requests to him and trust him, knowing you are praying within his will, and he is able. And this is truth. This is truth. Um, okay. Uh, Derek Prince, I was reading a book by him um, called The Power, what is it called? The Power? Shaping History. Yes, this book. Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting. Um, but the book is about the authority that we get as Christians for the spirit realm through prayer and through fasting. Good time to read it because I can't really fast, so not feeling the conviction. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but he says here, he says, um, the practice of priestly ministry. Okay, this is kind of the fancy way of saying, you know, we are priests before God, which means we're intercessors between God and man, which is encompassed in our act of worshiping him, of prayer, of bringing people before him, of hearing him. And what does he say? What does he think? How is he seeing the world? This is our priestly role in ministry. He says it's the key to exercising our kingly authority because the bible also says we're kings right we're rulers in the spirit things happen things situations change when we are exercising our kingly authority in the spirit through prayer and dependence on god but the way to have that authority in our homes with our kids over our own lives is rooted and empowered by our priestly ministry to god our pursuit of God, our practice of the presence of God. Um, if we're struggling, which I do, we all do, I'm preaching to myself, um, if we're struggling making right choices, um, letting our words be truth and then living them, um, not being hypocritical, um, or just walking in authority over our own lives over sin, like the Bible says, you know, we have authority over the scorpion and the snake to crush it, which means because of the spirit in us, we do have the power to say no to evil or sin or addiction or any of the things that tempt us or laziness or apathy. Don't feel like disciplining my kids. You know, I have the power because of Christ to overcome that, but it is rooted in my pursuit of God. Am I acknowledging his power in my life? Um, Havila Cunnington, or I don't know if she's quoting someone else, but she, she quotes this a lot where she says, our children will either inherit our fears or they will inherit God's promises. Um, and I love that because we are standing in fear when we're not believing the promises of God over our lives. And our kids will see that. And so if we're pursuing God, we are leaving a legacy. Even if we've made mistakes, are making mistakes, aren't the most perfect parent, aren't the most perfect mom, which none of us are. Um, it is God that we depend on. And when we're pursuing him, that is the legacy our kids are going to see. <coughs> okay, I'm going to just read a few examples. And this is like, doesn't even scratch the surface. It's just a few that I came upon the past couple weeks of God answering prayer. Um, Genesis 20, 17 says Abraham prayed to God and God to heal Abimelech and God healed Abimelech and his whole household. Genesis 24, 12 and 42, 
Abraham's servant prayed to God that he would give him success in finding a wife for Isaac. 42, it says, I prayed, God answered, I found a wife. Um, Genesis 25, 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife, who was barren. Rebecca conceived. Numbers 11, Moses prayed because there was, God had sent fire on the outskirts of their camp. He prayed that God would quench it, and God quenched it. Judges 13.8, Manoah prayed that the, God, that the man of God would return. This is uh, Samson's dad. And the man of God had come to his wife and promised that they would have a son. And then Manoah was like, I'm not sure. I need him to come tell me. He asked. God sent him. 1 Samuel 1.10 and 27, Hannah prayed, asked God for a son. 27, God gave her a son. 2 Kings 4.32-34, Elisha prayed to the Lord on behalf of a dead boy dead boy comes to life. 2 Kings 6.18, Elisha prayed um, that an army that was attacking them would go blind. The entire army goes blind. Uh, 2 Kings 20, Hezekiah prays that God would prolong his life. He was dying of a disease. God prolonged his life. 2 Chronicles 33, Manasseh prayed to the Lord. Manasseh was a wicked king, but he acknowledged God, humbled himself, prayed to the Lord. God forgave him, and it says that at the end of his life, Manasseh knew God. Um, I'm just, these are just small examples and the whole entire Bible is completely chock full of God answering our prayers. And so I want to encourage us, God answers prayers. And so to bring our requests before the Lord, some of my prayers that I pray are just like, God help me, like God help me to be humble, God help me to be faithful, God help me to be wise, and I certainly pray on behalf of the souls of my kids because I'm trusting the Lord to encounter the next generation. I'm trusting the Lord to encounter people. It's not, we, we need to be obedient. What we choose is a legacy for our kids to see, but their souls, every person, every human, including our own kids, their, hand, their souls are in the hands of the Lord. And so as a faithful, faithful witness to God, let's pour out our hearts to God and trust him and pursue him on behalf of our kids, on behalf of our households, um, on behalf of just people who don't know him. Um, and I just want to kind of wrap up here uh, by saying, I just wanted to encourage, um, I just wanted to encourage all of us to put our hope in the Lord um, especially for hurting moms, if you're in situations that feel hopeless, we have power to shape history. We have the power of God living within us to literally shift atmospheres. The living God can come into every situation, any situation, and he can transform it in a heartbeat. And we can't lose hope because the God who came through every family in the Bible the Bible is incredibly gritty. I used to play at night some, like, the audiobook for the kids when they were falling asleep, and I was like, oh my gosh, because there, are, there is so much in the Bible that feels very intense for little children. I don't know if I would let my teenager watch a movie if they made a movie about all the things that were going on in the Bible. There is no perfect family in the Bible. If you find one, let me know. There is none. There is mess, 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 mess in every person through the Bible in every family. But yet through those messy families, God comes 
and he propels his story and he brings his kingdom to earth and he brings his son into this messy world. Listen, if Jesus, he knew what he was coming to. He wasn't thinking, I'm coming to a bunch of awesome, pure, clean people. He knew exactly what he was coming to. So we need to be honest. And I have brought this story up before, but, um, you know, King Hezekiah, when he got that letter from an attacking army, Sennacherib, that said, don't trust, you think your God's going to save you? So did every other nation, like, and their gods didn't. So get ready, you're about to be defeated. Hezekiah was shaking. This was a, a very messy situation, one that seemed very hopeless. But what did he do in that situation? He poured his heart out before the Lord. He took the exact details of this letter and he laid it on the altar before God. And he said, God, this is the situation. And what he's saying is true. Every other situation has failed. But God, what are you going to do? Who are you? Who are you in this situation? And in that situation, God broke in and that entire army just overnight fought each other off. They, they, they completely were defeated, not by Hezekiah, but by the Lord. So pour out your heart to God just this week. And I'm going to just pray for us that we would be encouraged to hope in the Lord and trust him to answer our prayers. Um, trust him with our legacy. It is about our choices. It is about our pursuit of God. But the thing is, the prize and the treasure is Christ. That is the prize and the treasure. And so in our pursuit of him, in our desire to leave a legacy, in our desire to see our kids, our loved ones encounter God, remember who is at the center of this work. It's God. And let's pursue him in this marathon of motherhood, in this marathon of life. Let's lay ourselves out before him and trust him that he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So, Lord, I'm just, I pray for all of us here, moms and dads and every other person, God, all your children here, Father, every saint that is together here today, Lord, in pursuit and love of you. And I pray that you would just remind us this week, God, that you would encourage us, that we would see the ordinary things of life as legacy makers, God, that we would bring our requests before you, God, that we would find power to rule in the ordinary in our pursuit of you, God. I pray that you would draw all of us, Lord. It's not that we loved you, God, but it's that you loved us, Lord. So let us feel your love, Father. Let us understand how deeply you loved us so that we can respond, God, so that we can pursue you, Father, in our everyday life. I pray, Father, for breakthrough in situations that people have been praying for breakthrough. I pray that this would be a season of breakthrough, God. Lord, that we would see your hand moving in our lives. We trust you, God. You are the mountain mover, God. You give water, Father, where there was none, Lord. You pave new roads, God, where before there wasn't a road. You are the God of the impossible. And by faith, Father, we believe that. We trust you, God, with our lives, with our mothering, our parenting, our discipleship, God. We trust you, Father, that you have a very good plan, Lord. We bring up before you today our children, if we are parents, God, or loved ones or people that we've been ministering to that don't know you, God. And we just say we trust you with their lives, God. 
Thank you that you can break in and that you hold the key to every heart, God. Thank you, God. Bless you guys. I hope you have an awesome day. Take a nap if you're a mom. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, so good, Rebecca. So much substance. We've learned so much this morning. As you were speaking, I was thinking, I know your parents. I know I know our parents for a few years now. And... Uh, they're not celebrities or they didn't send you to Princeton or Harvard. I'm sure they wish they could, but they don't have millions of dollars. My mom doesn't have any millions of dollars or she couldn't send me to expensive college or anything like that or or give me, uh, you know, an inheritance with 250 properties and whatnot and so, like your parents, but... Here's what they gave us, a legacy. That's why we're here. And that, my friends, money cannot buy. Education cannot reach. A legacy to love God, a path for us to follow. Not only for us to walk in, but for our children to walk in. Because once, once a path has been created, once the trailblazers have opened a new way, then we just walk in it. You know? That's what the scripture says, teach your children, and then they'll walk in it. You know? Our parents are trailblazers for Christianity. Some here, I mean, some of us here are new Christians. You know, we, we just came to the Lord a few years ago, you know. Some of us come from legacies of uh, people that have followed God for a couple hundred years, you know. Like I have, you know. And others come from legacies of people that 10 years ago, they came to Jesus. They, they turned from the chaos where they were. But yet, their parents or the people behind them, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, created, opened a new way as trailblazers. And our parents at times didn't know what they were doing. They were a little legalistic and all this other stuff. And, but they gave us a legacy. A legacy. And that's why we stand here this morning. That's how we have church this morning. That's why I said, will you speak this morning? That's why we're here this morning. Because a legacy has been given to us. How beautiful. Um, I wish you could just go on back and tell us more for the next two or three hours. Be so great. And I mean that we can see that God loves to use insignificant people or ordinary people. And I, as Becca was speaking, I was making notes. I make lots of notes. And, and I was thinking, man, so many mothers, so many people want to be significant. So many people want to do something great and, and go on media and do this and do that and become a significant person. But let me tell you, you haven't done anything significant in life if you have not taught your own children to walk in the ways of the Lord. If you haven't done that, and I don't mean that to be discouraging. Some of you may sit here and say, well, I failed at that. You know, I didn't do very well. Or my kids are doing this right now. Don't be discouraged by that. What I mean is, that's where it starts. When Jesus said, I go to the Father, and until I come back, here's your job description. And our job description is in Matthew 28. Therefore, go make disciples, teach them, you know, and that's that's to me where the mothers have been in the last in the last three or four generations. Man, if you wasn't for the mothers in America, 
in the last few generations. Moms just just discipling their children. Fathers enforce and moms carry out the enforcement and live out the practicality of that every day, right? I'm just looking back at all the mothers, you know. Let me tell you, every single uh, person that has done significant things for God in the earth, I guarantee you, you go look their background, they had a very strong mother. (laughs) A very strong mother. A mother that would show them the way. It's just a beautiful thing. So be encouraged to become that person. Um, Mothers really occupy the pop position when it comes to the Great Commission. It's just an incredible place to be. Um, If you want to do something special for God, make sure that your kids are true lovers of God. Then you've done something real special for God because God has entrusted you with this precious person with a piece of himself, with a piece of his own DNA, his life. He put it in your hands as a mother and said, now you show them the legacy, show them the way. What a responsibility before God, before we do anything else, right? Um, Start a legacy, and it's not too late to start a legacy. Any day is a good day to start a new legacy and honor God, right? Don't lose hope. Even if your children are not where you'd like them to be at this point, um, Sharon, do you have? Do you happen to have the notes that you put on WhatsApp? You shared this week about believing our children, praying for our children. Do you still have that? I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that, but it's really important. Uh, as Becca was speaking, I was thinking about about that. Uh, Sharon posted about continue to pray. Things we've been speaking about here for a long time. Continue to believe for your children. Continue to pray for your children. Continue to pursue that legacy and do not lose hope do not lose hope do not lose hope do you happen to have that yeah re- read it here i don't i think i don't think i can make it all the way there you want to just just read that it's really important to encourage the mothers here she has to get her glasses you know some of us need glasses <laughs> Sorry, this is a word we had received. Uh, Pastor Ignacio gave it to us, uh, 2017. No, 2017. See if I can read it. Uh, It's a prophetic word of hope concerning your children's future by Pastor Ignacio. The Lord would remind you that there is a greatness in your children. There is, sorry. There is a seed from the Almighty that is hidden, covered, distracted, deceived, even corrupted at times, but never destroyed. At the right time, even when it seems that something is about to be lost, this powerful and relentless seed will bear fruit, bring purpose, and set the destiny to which they come they have come into this world don't stop believing in the greatness inside your children never give up on them <laughs> sorry don't stop declaring God's promises over them. Lord, I just thank you that your word never stops. 
that the things that you have started will never, ever be thwarted. God, that your promises are always completed, oh God, that you have known our children from the very foundations of the earth and your purposes for them will come into fruition. God, where the enemy has come to deceive, Lord, you bring truth and you bring light and you bring your purpose and nothing else. And I give you the praise and the glory. Amen. That's on WhatsApp. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Let, uh, let, let, let the heart of this mother become our hearts here to believe and to speak over your children, even when you're looking at the opposite. My mother would walk into my room when I was doing my teenage stupid things that teenagers do, and I would say stupid things out of my mouth, and she would answer back, not saying, you stupid, you don't know what you're talking about. You wouldn't say that. She would say, you are not that. You are a man of God. And you are, and she kept calling me what I was. And she called it so many times because, you see, when you, you, when you prophesy over your children, God's word does not come back void ever. So as, you, as you're prophesying and calling your children what they are in Christ, at some point it sticks and it, 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 it turns into life. That accompanied with prayer, you know. But this is not what I see. That's fine. You continue speaking forth over your children, who they are, what they called for, what you're praying for. My mom called me yesterday, and she said, uh, Mother's Day back home is a week before here. So, you know, we had talked about Mother's Day. And then she called me yesterday. She said, uh, she said uh, did you hear what God said today? And I said, what do you mean? Because I already know my mom. So I'm like, what do you mean? I already know that it's a loaded question. She goes, have you heard what the Lord said today? And I said, what did he say? And she goes like, no, I want you to hear what God said because I spoke to him and he told me some things about you. And I know that he will speak to you before he speaks to me. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you do now? You're like, mom, you know, I don't want to tell her I haven't had time to pray yet today or I haven't given God the time to hear what he has to say. If you go there, you'll listen to her for the next two hours telling you what you're doing wrong. So I'm like, uh, uh, and she goes like, oh, you better go spend some time with the Lord and hear what he's saying to you because he's told me some things about you, okay? Goodness sake, I'm 49 years old, mom. Can you talk to me like a little kid anymore? Come on, you better go do this, you know? A mother's prayer has a lot of impact, a lot of effect. Mothers, continue praying for your children on a daily basis. Prophesy over your children on a daily basis. Call them who they are in Christ on a daily basis. And when they call you and say, blah, 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 you say, yes, but you're not that. You are. You are the person that God has brought to this world for such a time as this. And there's a purpose. There's a divine purpose for your life. And you just counter with a prophetic word of life over your children and call them what they are in Christ. And I tell you, you know, what is psychologists, they say, they say if you do it so many times, they believe it. Yeah. What's wrong with that? <laughs> right? If you do it so many times, they become what you've said. But anyway, all through prayer. Thank you, Becca, for a beautiful word. May God solidify the word in our hearts and we all become great mothers and fathers in the faith. Give us a legacy, Lord. Thank you, Lord.